Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, this is so exciting. Hello, beautiful human. Thank you so much for laying the Zach Sang Show into your ears today. It really means a lot. This interview with David Guetta is being delivered to you by GoPuff. My life and GoPuff, we go hand in hand. We ride or die together. Truly, like if you know me, you know that I'm followed by GoPuff bags everywhere I go. They are the best convenience store right in the palm of your hand. Thousands of items available on their app from electronics to candles to snacks to alcohol, whatever you need, it will get to you pretty freaking quick. It's game-changing. I, I go puff every day. I, it, it's really, it, it's almost an addiction, but but not because it's so positive. It saves so much time not having to like run out and do things. I just go puff it and it just appears. It's like magic. Try them out. I, I highly recommend. I, I recommend go puff so heavily that I'll hook you up. $10 off your first two orders. Just use Zach 10 when you're checking out. That is Zach 10, go pub. Download the app. Get 10 bucks off your first two orders. You won't regret it, I promise. Okay. Here's David Guetta. Not every day that we get like actual icons, legends, uh, genuine, genuinely like people who have shaped an entire genre. So it's. Oh, wow. It's true. I like the starting of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, beautiful human. My name is Zach. That is Dan. And we welcome to the studio for the first time ever. David, get up. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I mean, really, truly like you, when I say you've shaped and really helped pave and craft an entire genre, do you see that as accurate? Um, well, I don't really think about it, but if if you say so, I'm I'm glad you see it that way. <laughs> I, I I let's say for sure I was one of the people that built the house, you know. But I I, I also you know think of people that were before me that influenced me, and I think that's what's amazing with music is that we all built something, and it. Be- it becomes like this huge thing and when we look at we look at it we're like oh my god it became so big you know but i i didn't think oh we're gonna create this huge movement you know it, it was just like okay i was influenced by people like frankie knuckles you know uh and, and david morales and eric Murillo and and those people and then you know i added you know my my touch in it, and then you know supported people like Swedish House Mafia, and then it was Avicii, and it, it's like we all build something, and at the end, it's true that when you step back, you're like, "Wow, that's crazy," but you don't really think about it, you know. But is that a part of 
the continued success is that you you so don't think about what's behind you. You just focus on what's in front. Two thousand percent. Oh, but like so much, I only think of the future. I, the my problem is I don't even think of the present. Mm. You I know, so that's like a that's how like. A, Sometimes a little bit challenging for people with me because when we have uh, you know a number one record, I'm like, okay, whatever, stop wasting time. What is the next one? You know, like and uh, and it's uh, sometimes it's good to celebrate and enjoy the present too. I'm tr I'm trying to learn this, but it's, it doesn't come natural. But you know? so, what drives the want for the future and for what's ahead? Is it is it to be ahead of your peers? Is it not want, really. Is it, no, a, is no. it a want to taste make? I, I, no, no, really, I'm not in that. That's interesting as a question. It's a really good question. I never really cared about any of this. I never really cared about, you know, being credible, being cool. I was always saying I'm not trying to be credible. I'm trying to be incredible. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, I don't really, uh, it, it's, it's not this thing. It's more like I'm, most of all, I'm a DJ. And, you know, it's very simple. Like, everyone plays, like, usually I start to play something, you know. And then, you know, you, you were mentioning, you know, moments that, that, that were, like, uh, defining moments in my career. I don't know, like, uh, when I started to work with, with, like, big urban people and mix it with electronic or, you know, working with Sia or, you know, things like this, uh, going indie pop and, you know, like, then then everyone started to do more or less the same then i get completely uh tired of 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 this which is my own sound and i get tired of it my, myself are, are you so getting then tired it, of it because you hear it around with from exactly, other people of course of course because then it's everywhere then you you play a festival and everyone plays exactly the same style and you're like oh my god i just can't so i had this for example like right before covid I was like, I just can't keep playing this EDM sound. Like, I'm tired of it. And um, and then I came with Future Rave, but it was not like, oh, I'm trying to impress other, other DJs or, or I'm trying to, you know, be forward thinking. I'm just trying to create something that I want to play because when I'm tired of what's trendy, I need to, you know, if someone would do it, instead of me that would be better you know I, I wouldn't have to do it you know but but this is really more like a selfish uh, uh approach of like i want to have fun when i perform my entire life is organized organized my entire life is organized uh, around my performance so you know it's like i don't go to dinners before my shows i uh i want to rest the day of my show I want, you know, uh, to be in a good mood before my show. I want to make music that I can play in my show. So, you know, this is my life. So in the same way, when I create music, my only motivation is it's going to feel so amazing when I want to play this beat for the first time. And, and there's nothing that makes me happier than, you know, what's happening with I'm Good right now. It's crazy. Like, like... It, it was it was like uh, that moment where I turn off the music for the first time when I'm DJing and everyone is singing the, the the words. That is for me the ultimate happiness. 
So, so this is what my life is about, and and, and this is what drives me to create new styles uh, and be ahead. You're literally like outrunning yourself, essentially. Exactly, but it's not a competition with other people. Really, it's not. I promise you, it's not. I always support everyone. I um, actually, it, it is like sometimes I had conversation with uh, uh, um, DJs here in America because you know the hip hop culture being so strong in America. Some DJs um, were a little bit like creating clashes and mm. and like when like you know I'm a little bit old school and when we started this house music was so um, a subgenre it was so we were such underdogs that we were like doing the opposite we were supporting each other so that we look a little bit bigger than what we were actually you know what i mean yeah, because totally. we were trying we had to compete you know with with rock and with uh, hip hop and we're like uh, okay okay you know let's create a community that that we were we were pretending to be bigger than we were we were actually playing in clubs and 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 you know but then at some point that music crossed over and i kept that spirit of uh, of like okay we're not Com competitors we we a family we like so sometimes mm -hmm. when i see you know clashes I, i really don't like it i i don't i don't even understand it you know this is to me like you know my my uh my culture i come from from house it's about spreading love uh you know it's about freedom it's about tolerance it's about being together forgetting your social uh uh, uh barriers you you uh, you know if you gay if you're straight like that 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 was the whole point of that music so when it became so big and you know some people started to you know get on the train and and bring that negative vibe i really didn't like it and every time there's something like this i just disappear i don't i never you know answer because to me this is not part of what we are by the way like you you've building that community and camaraderie like you were creating a genre from nothing like you essentially had to recruit people to make this music with you and then support them to your point like you yeah it, like, uh, that's absolutely absolutely true in order to have like real cultural impact like no one person can do it on their own genuinely like you can spark a fire but you still got to make sure that that fire burns absolutely absolutely and this is how i see it that's pretty incredible what do you learn performing at the broad club in paris that you like stick like that you actually still utilize today when you get up there well you know there's um there's there's like a big big difference and it, it's funny because like um i was uh, the other day i i met with a, a very old friend of mine uh, his name is laurent garnier is like a techno legend and um and we were talking about this on how we used to play you know eight 10 hours a day, six days uh, a week, you know, and we would have one day off. And uh, and how, you know, sometimes it's funny because like we would be playing um, in a club and, you know, we're five minutes late and the DJ before us just stopped the music. And we're like, this is insane. Like, and the guy would say, no, I, I finished my set. I don't have any more music. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, you know, so it's just, uh, you're talking about what I, what I've learned. So it, it was, it was more, what I've learned is to take people on the journey and not say, uh, you know, because right now, basically uh, DJs become famous by being producers, mm -hmm. uh, which is totally uh, okay with me. And by, 
let's say, defining a style. And uh, the difference, let's say, with like a older generation like me, we were all about musical culture. And because we were playing so many hours, we would go from, you know, disco to funk to new wave to reggae to, you know. Because you had to. Well, of course, because, you know, at the time, you know, um, I played the first, <laughs> I played the first house music party in, in, in France, uh, like on a regular basis, you know. And um, I mean, I had to be my own promoter because huh. no uh, club owner would let me play this music because there was, uh, this is, this music is completely ridiculous <laughs> and crazy, doesn't make any sense, you know. So I was like, okay, like, give me your worst day of the week, you know, I'll promote it, I, I, I'll make the flyers myself, you don't need to pay me more, just allow me to play what I want. Because, you know, same, you, you, you need to put into perspective that, you know, we look at DJs in a certain way now, but it wasn't like this before. The DJ was just another employee of the club, you know, like a bartender or, you know. No uh, celebrity. Yeah, you know, exactly. There was no famous DJ when I started. The concept did not even exist. So, so, um, so yeah, and this is how, you know, this is how I started. And I think uh, what I've learned is, is just, you know, how important uh, musical culture is. So this is why, you know, I keep like creating, reinventing myself because I can go in, look at the success of I'm good right now. I just <laughs> went back 20 years and, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's not really that complicated, you know. Um, is there a formula that like, okay, one, I want to, I do want to know when you're DJing for 10 hours, is your goal to keep people there for 10 hours or? Oh yeah, that's my, that's like me on a boxing ring. Yeah, that's, like I'm not letting anyone get out of the club. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah. really. And you know, like the way I was judged when I started was that way. Like, okay. If you, you were a good DJ, if at six in the morning, the club was sick, was still packed, you know, and you were a bad DJ, if at 3.30, the club is empty. Mm. So, so, you know, now the approach is a little bit different. It's like, okay, I am an artist. I'm here to make a statement. This is who I am. If you don't like, you know, me, okay, too bad. So my approach at the same time, I'm trying to, you know, play things that people cannot hear outside of my show, including my own music, but because I only play special versions that I do for live. But at the same time, I still have that resident DJ mentality yeah. that I want to give people a good time. You know, it's people first. Exactly. They dictate like that energy in that room. Exactly. Like, like you, you read it, but then you also have to amplify theirs by heightening so, it. So basically, the difference between a good night and a bad night for me is when they follow me on that journey, I won. I had a good night. If I have to follow them, it means I didn't do a good job. And I, I just, uh, I'm just another DJ. It happens, you know, but then I do my job. But when I managed to, you know, what I loved uh, this summer in Ibiza was unbelievable. Um, because, you know, um, underground is being played in probably 85% of the nights, maybe 90. Um, and then you have like people that are playing more commercial. And I never looked at music that way. 
me, I, I, I just love music. For me, that concept of commercial, on underground, whatever, you know, it's completely meaningless. And in Ibiza, I would play the most underground, obscure beat and put like the biggest song on the top and it works. And this is what I enjoy. It's like, you know, I can take you anywhere. And you know, when it's magic, when, when people are feeling like one, when it's just a, this huge flow of energy, then, you know, they just, they just open. There's nothing like that. That is what I live for. Do you feel like you have the, the, the right strategic approach that you apply to every show to at least, you, it may not happen every time, but to at least come out with the best odds of success? Exactly. You, That's what it is. You figured it out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I've been doing this uh, uh, my entire decades. life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I started when I was 14, so, you know. That, that's pretty sick, honestly. Uh, you know, y you mentioned your love, just your pure, genuine love for music. You're nothing but the best commentary album is superb, and uh, I love a commentary album, so it was fucking awesome. It was just very cool. Um, Thank you. What, what makes the Bees so special? Like, why is it so fun to play there? It's exactly what I was telling you. You know, there's a there's a huge um, underground culture. So, um, you know, like how can I say? Because the the only comparable for America would be Vegas, I suppose. Mm -hmm. You know, and I play Vegas. It's a lot of fun. But you know, Vegas, um, you need to always uh, go back to kind of a pop hit yeah. in a way. So basically, if you if you like a, a basic DJ, you're gonna play what everyone plays, and and if you a little more famous DJ, you're gonna make you're gonna create. That's at least that's what what I do. You know, I would take take like famous songs and produce an entire new beat around it, so that the experience is unique. But I would still have to always give them something they know because you know they they go see the best magician in the world and then they go see the best DJ in the world. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like people that go to Ibiza, they've been like clubbing for, you know, many years. They really into underground music and and it, it, it's just that that culture and, and what I was telling you that that they I'm established enough that they would tr they give me the trust and they're going to go anywhere I go. Mm -hmm. And you know, if and every set is different. If one day I, I just feel like, okay, I just want to feel good and I'm just going to play those huge songs and everyone is going to sing along too. And one day, maybe, I don't know, it's just a vibe. I want to take them on a hypnotic journey and, and play just like... <laughs> and, and you can. And I can. Yeah. So that freedom, is, is, it's crazy because it doesn't feel like work. It's just like, okay, whatever you're going to give us, we're in. So where do you test music? Where's the right place to get a feel for the way the public could react to something? Because honestly, I'm, that's anywhere. I'm good. You played for a while before it came out. No, what's that? That story is completely insane. I don't even know if you know the story. So the story of I'm good was we were, you know, sometimes I do writing camps and, uh, you know, I just go to the studio with 
songwriters and you know work on on different ideas do and you come with beats to those situations sometimes i come with beats sometimes we just go from chords and i i, I play you know like from nothing yeah. because um um and that's another topic but what really matters to write good songs is the music so you can actually write any song with a guitar or a piano you don't really need uh, that's like a rookie mistake you know you come like super produced beats and actually that is that is not helping the artist because you you kind of putting them in a corner and they feel like they have to speak about the dance floor and uh, stuff like this and so i i prefer to to look at songwriting from a, just a purely uh, uh, fundamental basic uh, and and write like uh, the Beatles would write, you know, and yeah, then it, make it electronic. It keeps the integrity of the story, but also like any song, like if it's a good song, you can take everything away. Exactly. And it will still make you fucking feel. Exactly. And that's that's my approach. You, 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 you exactly. And this is how you make timeless music because otherwise it's just going to be because Oh, you know, it's trendy to put a reverb on the bass. Oh, wow, crazy. Okay, but does that mean that this song is going to be timeless? No, of course not. You know what the song is the song. So, so um in in the in the case of of I'm good, we were just jamming and uh you know, I was like, "Ah, oh, you remember that song, Blue? It was just so crazy and the chords are so good and BB got excited and we just we just did it just for fun, you know?" And then um and then you know she's like ah, I'm not sure I don't know like mm. and and urban was so big I think everyone got a little bit nervous at this time and then um you know the label all of this and, and then I was like oh, I don't know I like it I'm I'm going to play it and I tested it in a few festivals and one of them you know was recorded and some people i don't even know who and i want to thank them if they can hear us <laughs> some people sampled my set and and used it as a sound on tiktok and then it became viral but the record was not released and then bb called me and she's like get that get that <laughs> this is how she goes get that get you know what's happening i'm like no i don't know what's happening the song is everywhere it's everywhere you need to finish it like now <laughs> And so I got like super stressed, you know, because I met that song four years ago. So I'm like, she's like, you have two weeks, two weeks, no more. So okay, so finish the song. Then you know, um, I was like, okay, this is crossing over, so pop. So usually I would I would do the mix myself or with with people of my team. And then I was like, okay, I want to take like the best mixer, you know. Uh, and and uh, so I'm I'm sending it to. To the guy, I'm like, listen, I'm going to bed. When I wake up, and and the guy normally it takes uh, one month because he's like a superstar, you know. So I'm, he's it, like, I'm telling him like, please, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, you need to do it. When I wake up, it needs to be done. You have eight hours. <laughs> so I go to sleep. I had to deliver the record, you know, the same day, you know. And it was all like this, you know. Then he made this genius um, radio mix. Then we released the record. Then I played the record uh, in my show, and I realized his mix is amazing for radio, but doesn't work for the show. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, I I call my my label. I'm like, guys, I need to do a new mix, but you need to replace everything that you know the extended version on every Spotify, Apple Music, all of this. You know, <laughs> like a, 
they're like, oh my God, you're crazy. You know, any, this is the music, this is how it is. <laughs> All the best records are like this. When I did um, uh, Sexy Chick, or can I, can we, yeah, can yeah, we yeah. say Sexy Bitch? Here? Yeah, of yeah. course. Okay, when I did Sexy Bitch, um, my album was finished, and you know, it was the time of the CDs, <laughs> and it was like, it was, they all were already pressing. Jesus. So I'm calling the label, and I'm like, Listen, guys, I met Akon yesterday at a festival. We wrote the biggest record in the evening. We have to put it on the album. They're like, no way, David. We It's already in the factory. I'm like, I don't care. You need to cancel everything. I'm telling you, this is the biggest record. So we did, and we're, we're right to do it. But same, you know, like panic, you know, like, like yeah. I mean, uh, with a little stress, you know, everything hits a little bit different, you know? Once you accomplish it, 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 it just feels so much sweeter. But is that, have you had other songs like Good that just sit for years and then still have like re like relevancy today? Um, yeah, actually there was, um, you know what's, most of the, honestly, most of the good songs, we make them in two hours, you know, and... Uh, the ones that usually the ones that you struggle with are the ones that are not good enough because if you need to overproduce the song you know this is coming back to what we were saying if it's not good enough when you play you know chords on on the piano and the good. song then it's me it means that you know the song is weak so you need to use uh, uh you know like uh tricks to make it sound cool um so but there are a few exceptions, yes. And for example, this song with uh, Nicki Minaj, Hey Mama, mm -hmm. actually was with, also with Bibi Rexa, which uh, it's a crazy story too. I had a song for two years and it was impossible for me to finish it because in my head, I thought the, the, the sample was the hook. And it's just good, but not good enough. And one day I'm in the studio riding camp and, uh, you know, so sometimes we take different rooms, you know, and I was working in studio A and I'm going to the, to the restroom and I, the door was open and I hear this incredible voice and it was B.B. Rexa that was not an artist yet. Yeah. She was a songwriter and I, I knocked the door. I'm like, can I come in? And uh, I was like, wow, you sound amazing. I said, look. I have this song that I'm struggling with. I feel like you could be perfect. I, and I gave her the song with an empty space for a new hook that I made specially for her. And in 15 minutes, she had the hook. And, and so it took me two years to find the, the, the key to finish this song. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, so crazy. And this is how she went from being a songwriter to an artist and how we started to work together. So was Nikki already on the record and it was just sitting for two for two years or does Nikki come after BB? No, no, no. Nikki came after BB. Uh but the 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 kind of the the whole concept w was tied there. together. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But then when we had, you know, the sample, the hook, but then you know, for uh, for a dope artist like Nikki, it's kind of easy. You Do know? you think that record would have like if it came out two years prior would have actually been a hit oh, for sure it would not be a hit mm. for sure. i i know i know mm. so just because it was not complete and it's it's very hard like sometimes you have an idea and you you're fighting with it you know and and 
yeah it this this happens a lot this happens it, it's uh it, it's just you know like a, a lot of people um that are starting making music they feel like oh big producers they they have like a formula like mathematics but it's 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 not really true you have experience but the magic of what makes it special is just impossible to replicate like you know it sometimes it happens and you don't know why it just happens do you need a superstar vocalist to have a hit song not at all. And actually, we were talking, for example, like when we did Titanium with Sia, she was not famous, you know, but she's a genius. She's, you know, and she sounds like crazy. And know? she's somebody who will sit on, like, she doesn't fin release an album until every song feels like a single. And she'll sit on songs for years before she releases them. And they end up being the biggest hits of like whenever they're released, they shape culture of that moment and beyond. No, no, she's she's incredible. It's funny, like when we met for that, when we worked on Titanium, we were working me as a producer because sometimes I produce for other artists, um, and I, I was being a producer and she was being a songwriter, and we were just writing for someone else, and I'm like, okay. Not only the song is too good, there's no way I'm giving it away. I want to keep it for myself, but also I need you to be on this record because no one is going to sing it like you. And she's like, no, I don't want to be an artist anymore. I don't like this life. I want to be home and with my dogs and be happy and write songs for other people. And um, I really, I had to beg her and she ended up doing it at the condition of not doing any promotion, any interviews, and it starts any live. And what does that give birth to? The wig. Yeah, exactly. And Sia. Exactly. Yeah. That's. Do you? I'm gonna ask you like a like a like a deep question, but I think it's the right time as we're talking about just these two examples. But there has to be dozens of others of artists that like moments like that have literally sparked a whole new path for their career. Do you think about how you want to be remembered? <laughs> yes, I do, of course. Of course, of course. Um, I think I don't see it like that because um, this happens for me too. Like this guy that sampled me to put it on, on TikTok. Totally. This guy changed my life. <laughs> you know? So I do it. Like this is how it's it true. is, you know? It, it's just like that's why I think we all need to be humble because I'm telling you, there's no absolute formula, absolute genius. Uh, we all need each other to win, you know? And like some random person from, you know, might be a kid, I, I have no idea, sampled a part of my set and turned this into a global hit, you know? So of course, you know, sometimes I, I help artists, but they also help me back at the same time. And, you know, uh, in the example of, of Sia, I'm, I'm like so grateful to her because she was, she became like the biggest star on the planet and she would always be here for me every time, you know, like we made many songs after that. And um, she she was really like incredibly loyal in an industry that is not always like that. So I feel like that is, loyalty is something that is a big part of what you do and how you lead. Yes, and true. I do think that like success and what I'm getting is like leading with the best intention, but also being aware of greatness when it presents itself to you. 
and genius may not knock every day, but like when it does knock or it does show up, like you have to have the wherewithal and the ability to like let it in and nurture it. No, absolutely. And, and you know, like um, uh, many times, you know, if if you know, you would ask me like, what is it that you do as a producer when you work with artists? Honestly, most of the job, of course, you need to give them good chords you know, um, to write songs and inspire them. But, but, but really, it's about creating a vibe that make them feel good so that they can be the best of who they are. But they are doing the job. And, you know, I, I think, you know, like some producers, they're trying to force people into what they want. But like, I'm. Uh, it's more for me. I believe in the artist, you know, and, and there's there's nothing I admire more than songwriters and and you know i'm just trying to let them shine you know it's it's not really about me when when we write you know i'm i'm trying to help if they need help but that's all i'm more like at the service you know and th this is my this is my approach really and you know i i think when i look like at the longevity in, in, in my case it's probably because I'm not really confident. I'm, I have zero ego. Like if someone is going to bring a hi-hat that sounds better than mine, then cool. I will share the song with them. I don't care. I just want to make the best possible song. And this is why I love working with like young producers, you know, young songwriters, because anyone that's going to bring something to the table, I, I take it. You know, a lot of people that are, bigger geniuses than me it's also their own um their own f uh, problem because if you know that you're a genius you think you don't need anyone me i know i know i need people and it's okay you know and this is probably why i'm still here because i i don't i don't see myself as you know that amazing i i, I all knowing I, you know and 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 like i'm always i promise you like like sometimes people are like but why are you sharing your publishing with this guy doesn't make sense i'm like doesn't matter to me i just want to make the best record you know that when your intentions are so rooted in that purity like that's when greatness actually comes your way and i do believe that the universal rules of the universe apply here you know like you put out what you want back Oh no, absolutely. I, I also I believe in this. You know, you need to give to receive for yeah. sure. Do you manifest or anything oh, like that? Oh, I'm I'm so big on this. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I really like. It's funny because um, I I uh, like a few years ago, uh, uh, my my girlfriend gave me a book, and um, and it was the secret. And you know, of and course, I, I read the book, and I'm like, "This is me. This is my life." But I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. But really, like, I always apply this like positivity, uh, putting, projecting what I want, acting like it's already happening. Yes. You know, all of this. I've always done this, absolutely. And I believe, I believe in just being good. To the world and the world is going to be good to you amen what did you see in kid cuddy back in 2009 when you guys made memories 
okay. <laughs> that was so funny. So, so, you know, and uh, again, this shows like, honestly, it's, it's, I'm not trying to be humble, but all my hits uh, happened by accident. <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, I told you how I'm good happened, you know, it's just a complete accident. Like w this record would still be in my hard drive if it wasn't for, for this guy. So, so the, 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 the person that put it on TikTok. So in the case of Kit Cudi, um, I just produced, I got a feeling for the Black Eyed Peas. Mm -hmm. And uh, so massive, massive <laughs> record, like one of the biggest records of, of history. And um, I'm, they invited me to be uh, on the, in the video. Uh, by the way, when I see the video, I'm like, oh my God, like the most ridiculous hairstyle <laughs> ever in history. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and within the crowd that was dancing was Kit Cudi. And I'm like, you are Kit Cudi, right? It's like, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, oh my God, I love your music so much. I made a beat on the plane from Paris to LA. It would be perfect for you. <laughs> this is true, huh? He's like, really? Let's go to the studio tomorrow. Uh, okay. We go to the studio. The beat was memories. Here's the beat. Perfect. Okay, give me a mic. Kill the beat in like one hour. <laughs> And uh, and uh, I remember he was like, so how does it feel to see genius in action? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, you're the friend of Kanye West, right? <laughs> so so you know, um, but it was true. It was yeah, true. That's <laughs> and, and you know that that's what it is with with people like this. They would they would come with that not humble statement, but. It's also true. So what do you want to say? You know? <laughs> so so uh, so he, uh, amazing, amazing song. And it was really a revolution at the time because uh, you know having like a rap record with a up tempo beat like this, this was completely different from anything. Well, it changes the course of music. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally, totally. Uh, uh, and uh, and yeah, uh, this is how we did. And and it's funny because. Um, that's also a good, uh, like a, a crazy story. So once again, complete accident. Like, you know, um, I was telling you like, sexy bitch, I met Akon on stage. He's like, I oh my God, Geta, I love your music. Uh, we should do something one day. I'm like, uh, you're an American, are you gonna tell me this and I'm never gonna see you? I'm like, I'm booking, <laughs> I'm booking the studio today. So we were in London, I'm booking the studio. And he's like, okay, I'll meet you at the studio. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm coming with you. <laughs> and you know, seriously, that's a true story. He's like, what do you mean? Like, trust me, I'm going to be at the studio. No, no, I'll stay with you. Don't worry. <laughs> and you know, I'm going to the hotel. And, and he was with like a, a girl. And I'm like, already, I'm quite famous already, you know? <laughs> and uh, he's like, okay. I'm going to the room five minutes. I'm waiting um, three hours. <laughs> I know, hey, Khan is a beast. He doesn't go five minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm still downstairs waiting and, you know, I'm paying the studio per hour. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, motherfucker. <laughs> so, so, you know, he ended up coming down and we do sex image that day. So, so same accident with Kid Cudi, like all my songs, 
honestly, they happened like that. And at the time, uh, you know, I remember I made this beat and I just signed Afrojack. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like a kid, like a genius producer. And he's telling me like, oh my God, you you beat, it sounds terrible. This sound is so dirty. Like, David, you can't release it like this. I'm like, I don't know, I like it. And, and you know, like, we still speak about this because we, we're very, very good friends. And, um, and you know, it was just a vibe, you know, and, and kind of defined a style, mm-hmm. you know, that to have the sound that was not so polished, you know, yes. at the time it was like, um, the trend was more to be like very polished and shiny sound and, this came like super rough, you know, but that gives the charm of the record too. And also sets it apart from the other things that you had inspired exactly. that were already on the radio. Exactly. In that moment, do you want to be pushed by a, a collaborator in that way? Do you want somebody to say like, this is, this is, this is not right? Oh no, I'm telling you, I'm the most, I told you before, I'm <laughs> the most insecure person. Like when I go to the studio with an artist, it's, I, I have anxiety, you know, because I always doubt myself. And so I'm, I'm always playing to my friends and what do you think, you know? Mm. It's just that because I've been doing this for so long and I have so many hits, only lately I'm starting to think, okay, maybe you're not that bad. You know, (laughs) this cannot be an accident for, you know, like 20 years, (laughs) you keep doing this, you know? The greatest act of all time? So, you you know, but, but, but really this is how I see myself. And I have this, um, you know, it's it's actually really uh, famous. I have a, a friend that is like a, probably the most famous, uh, Omar Sy is like a very famous, uh, oh, by the way, you, you should check out uh, Lupin on uh, Netflix. Gra- uh, oh my God, this great. guy, He's so gifted, okay. so incredibly so, talented, so this highly guy. recommend. So one day, one day we, we like, uh, we're having dinner and I'm telling him, I'm like, you know, I don't know why I feel like this because, Every time I I wake up, I think someone is gonna knock the door and tell me this was a complete mistake. You you are not supposed to be winning, and we taking back everything we you have. Really, I feel like this, and it's like listen. Every time I'm shooting a movie, I'm on I'm on set, and I'm thinking the director is gonna tell tell me you suck, get the fuck out, <laughs> and you know. I think I discovered this, that the imposter syndrome is something that is very common in artists. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know about it. So, so, um, but this is me. I'm always doubting myself. Always, always, always. From the beginning, though? Always. And I think, you know, probably this is also why I still win. Because I never feel like, okay, I'm the shit. This is the way it's done, you know? Um, yeah, I never so, feel like this. It, it, so, is that essentially what fuels the sounds of Future Rave? Okay, so the sound of Future Rave, it was exactly what I was describing you. It was like, okay, I'm tired to play that sound. I need to create something that makes me excited, that makes me want to be on stage. And I did, uh, together with my friend Morton, and, uh, you know, we just pushed it and it became incredibly successful in the community. And then 
something that happened that was pretty incredible this this record um you know um uh, love tonight all i need is love tonight you know um <laughs> it's crazy because actually this is filmed um i'm i'm preparing my set uh for my first show after covid that was in miami and uh, dj mag is following me and is filming me preparing my set and i'm making uh, i take this acapella that I heard um, it was like a underground obscure record that uh, the uh, Salomon was playing and I'm like oh, I love this acapella but I can't play it the way it is um, and I'm I'm like creating it in front of the camera that never happens and I thought it was just a tool for me to play as a DJ because this is what I do I want to give a unique experience to people that come to see me play so everything you hear you can't hear anywhere else. anywhere else so i'm creating this version and then it was so good that you know i'm like wow the reaction is crazy i sent it to uh, the artist and the label and then it became a, a, Goes a very very big hit and that's also using that future rave sound but this record made it a little more crossover because you know for the first time it was with a big song you know so but the way we started it was purely just for clubs and festivals we we never tried to be on the radio we never tried to have commercial success this was really something i was doing for my soul to feel better as a dj to be excited to get on stage because i told you this is what fuels my life so you know if i'm not gonna believe in what i'm playing i'm, I'm miserable yeah, why be there exactly so 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 future rave was only Uh, for us, for Morton and myself, about playing a sound that is exciting to us to play and that that would take people by surprise. And then when I saw that it was working so you know well, I, it became like a priority. But it was also really exciting to let go of the pressure of radio success. Totally, that was honestly, it's it was like. I was born again, you know, because how can I describe it? Success is extremely addictive. It's like a drug. So when you have pop success, your life completely changes um, because when you perform, people look at you in a different way. So it's so much easier to to have an amazing night because you know you, you know they're just gonna sing the song and makes them happy they've and, heard it everywhere else you know, already exactly it's, it's it makes your life easier and everyone invites you 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 have access to the biggest artists in the world that are texting you every day because they want a piece of it mm. you know it, it's like an easier life and you know i got so obsessed with having Uh, pop success when my music originally was not supposed to cross over it, it happened by accident so I went from this moment of you know being a happy accident that my music is becoming you know glo having global hits and being only about love and passion and and you know it's just it's just positive to a negative emotion which was the fear of falling because wow. you, when you're at the top of the mountain all you can the only place you can go down. is down there's no other way so then i honestly think that i started to be less interesting as an artist for a moment and then at 
at a point I was like, I don't care about this anymore. I just want to be happy when I get on stage. And I created Future Rave with my friend Morton. And then this was a huge success. I also have another brand that is called Jack Bag that uh, is doing house music. I have so many, uh, yeah, like that's... And you know, it was just like, I just want to have fun. I don't care anymore about being on the radio. And what's f crazy with life is from the time <laughs> I did this, I'm having huge radio hits again, <laughs> just because I I'm not trying. But is selling your catalog a part of this whole like kind of putting a period on what was and moving into what could be? One thought. You're good, man. I can't <laughs> believe this. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, it's just uh, first. It's like, okay, I don't need money anymore, so anything I'm going to do is just for the love. Yeah, it's for you. It's, what is going to change, you know? So so that that's like a good position to be in. Second, it's a way to, to like, have, uh, uh, to almost close a chapter and start a new one. And, you know, the challenge of being... Um, look at myself as a freshman, you know, like, okay, I'm starting a new catalog from zero. How exciting is that though? It's amazing. Like it's that... amazing. And and it, it's it's crazy because since uh, I saw my catalog, I already have like uh, five hits, you know, or something like that. Yeah, so, but you needed that push, so like there's something there. Exactly. I needed a push. That's like a way to challenge myself too, you know? And, um, and, and I told you with, with, with this kind of, uh, uh, rebirth of me just going back to my foundations you know because I think at some point I lost myself into pop a little bit and, and you know I have a community people are trusting me following me because I've been DJ for so many years and and you know if if I become a slave of pop music then I'm I'm no longer that like okay we trust him and I started from zero again, you know, went back to my roots and I started with house music. So I created Jack Bag that was like just making proper tech house and house beats. Um, and again, not trying to be on the radio and, and, and then Future Rave and recreating a, a, a proper community around records that are just cool, edgy and, and, and just kidding it when you're a DJ. And, you know, it's probably the first time in my life um, that I'm having at the same time commercial success and and underground success, That's you know, it's it's, 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 it's kind of unheard of, to yeah. be honest. And it makes me really, really happy that finally I can be at this stage because I think people don't notice, but every artist, we all want to be someone else. Because, of course, we go for who we are, but, but we love music. So sometimes, you know, I would listen to another DJ and be like, oh my God, he's so happy. He, he, he's so lucky. You know, he's playing those, those beats that no one knows. And he's probably looking at me saying like, oh my God, this guy is so lucky. Everyone is singing along all the, the words, you know, but 
but this is normal because you oh, you know it's you like what you don't have yeah it's like when you're married you look at a girl you're like, oh my god this girl is so hot if True. i was single you know it's that's that's how it is you know and and, and you know at the end of the day, you always think it's greener outside, but it's not true. But today, I'm really in paradise. I I, I have both. You know, it's like I'm in a um, I don't know. I'm uh, I've, I I find a, a wife that is also my lover. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've worked incredibly hard, and you've paved a lot of culture to get here. Truly, so it's beyond well deserved. And I. I by the way, I can talk to you for hours. I know you have to go. Your publicist is pacing out there. Uh, you have a full day of press. Like, do you like? Does this get? You have a full day of promo and press promoting a record. Do you enjoy it still today? That side of it. I, I, t I okay. I'm going to tell you honestly. Yeah, it's, you probably don't. Uh, this is normally what I hate the most in my life. <laughs> but once in a while, there's an interview like today that makes me love it. Well, really, I'm 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 very honest, because you know I love music, and it's very rare that I can speak about music in my interviews. And this is uh, what makes this is what makes it difficult for me because I, I'm not like so clownish, you know. And and sometimes it can make me feel a bit like I'm selling myself, and I don't like that. So when I do an interview like this, where I'm honest and it's deep and it's about what it what my life is and not about you know just uh, making jokes and uh, okay we're gonna dress you like this and you, literally you know and that that makes me happy so thank you for that I thank you for saying that and thank you for giving us your time and energy today because really truly like I. Uh, been looking forward to this day for a long time. Your music has been a big part of my life. And I, I love hearing your early stuff and being able to tell people I was on the radio to play this one. And then I still get a chance to play your songs on the radio today. Amazing. And I've been playing them for 15 years. Well, thank you so much for that. Well, it's to, to another 15 and then another 15, another 15 after that. You, I mean, I just had one more one question. More? Does it surprise Ten, you that DJ Meg still votes you number one every single year? <laughs> um... It's 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 wonderful, honestly. It it it's crazy. It's it's what I was telling you because like no matter how successful I could be on the radio or you know on Spotify or you know or any streaming service, I what matters to me is DJing my community. So when I feel love from the people that matter to me the most, it's still means a lot mm -hmm. you know and um it's it's interesting because you know some um underground dj they they're surprised because i would go see them like wow you know i'm so excited to meet you and like really like they, you know they 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 think i'm gonna be an asshole uh, thinking i'm bigger than you know but it, it's really not because i'm passionate about this culture yeah so so for me anything that is you know about that makes me at least as happy you know as uh commercial success mm -hmm. you know and and you know you were talking about future rave you know i'm i'm equally happy to have a global hit with i'm good than than to have success in uh you know techno festival with future rave but now we're at a point where we have both yeah david get it everybody Woo. come on You're thank amazing. you thank you so much 
Hello there, beautiful human. You made it through our conversation with David Guetta. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Big thanks to GoPuff for delivering this interview to you. If you want $10 off your first two orders, download the app and use Zach10 when you're checking out. Do it. Try it. Go, go, go. Zach10. Use it. Do it when you're checking out. Bye for now. Be safe. Hug your family if you can. You're not going to jail. Remind your family, too, that you love them. I did that out of order. But it's okay. <laughs> Thanks for putting up with me today. <laughs> Subscribe to our podcast. Share it with these you care about. And keep listening to music because it helps make the world go around. I'll talk to you real soon. Bye. By the way, today's episode is made possible by a few incredible humans, including our executive producers, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Dylan Martyr, Dan Zola, Joshua Rusak, and Olivia Rodensky. Our senior director, Toby Lawless. Our associate producers, Eve Bishop and Claudia Villarreal. Our music is by James Asciutto. Our editor is Camera Carlos Gomez. Our sound mixer is Daniel Chavez-Crook. Our post-production manager is Caroline Rude. And I'm your host and executive producer, Zach Sang. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I'll talk to you real soon. <laughs>